Hi, this is Clarence Ling from Marketlytics, Law for Marketing Specialist. Welcome to The Legaling Show, where we talk about what lawyers care about. I hope you enjoy today's show. Hi, guys and girls. This is Clarence Ling from Marketlytics, Law for Marketing Specialist. And this is The Legaling Show, where we talk about what lawyers care about. Today, we've got a very special guest. We have Kim Wiegand, who is the founder of Julep Advisory, and partner of Beaton Research and Consulting. Kim's an advocate for gender equality and well-known in women in law circles. Welcome, Kim. Hi, Clarence. Hi, everyone. So uh, Kim's from Queensland, so sunny Queensland. It's not raining and pouring like it is in Perth or anywhere else in Australia. No, so no let's I've got the fan off. on. It's definitely farming. <laughs> <laughs> let's kick off with a very important question before we start the actual discussion. Kim, can you explain the difference of a CMO or marketing manager and a specialist digital marketer and why there's no conflict, but sometimes great benefit for using both at once? Yeah, 100%. So uh, digital marketing, as many people will know, is, I won't call it um, a recent trend. It's been around for a long time, but it's an evolving part of the marketing space um, and a very specialist area that is very quite technical, um, focused on specific results, utilizing platforms that, as you know, Clarence, they're evolving daily, right? So there's new platforms popping up left, right and center. And the role of a digital marketer is very much about taking what a CMO or a marketing manager might create in so much as a general brand or general marketing um, program for a firm. So um, who are we, who are we pitching to? What are we saying about ourselves? What does our brand represent? All of those things and targeting it in a particular way online on digital platforms to achieve a result. So I would work with clients, for example, on looking at a firm, what their strategy is, what their market, who, you know, where their market is, what clients they're looking to attract or, achieve, or, or um, get a reaction from. And I would take that information to Clarence and say, Clarence, can you please effectively use the right channels for the for the right areas of law, this particular firm, and activate that network, if you like, um, and try and get a result, mostly looking at either brand uh, brand awareness or uh, increased consideration to buy per, to purchase those legal services, or ultimately a conversion or sale. So the area that Clarence works in in digital marketing is not an area that I am okay across really at all. I would definitely always come to an expert like Clarence. And similarly, I would consider different things from a CMO perspective that is more along the commercial lines of the firm and what their commercial drivers are um, to position in a particular space. That's a very good answer and a very comprehensive answer as well. So Kim, uh, What's something that you see that impacts all lawyers throughout their career? Mm, 100%. So one thing that I'm asked regularly, and I do a lot of mentoring of, of junior marketing and business development staff, as well as a lot of coaching of senior authors, fee earners and partners. One thing that I think is potentially underrepresented um, or misunderstood is how to develop a network and the importance or value of developing a network. So your network, in my mind, is your single most potentially second to your technical skill, uh, valuable asset in your career. It's that you can build independently that costs ultimately not a lot for you to invest other than your time, energy and effort. 
and it absolutely can bring rewards and results throughout your career and you take it everywhere. So it's not as though you leave a job and you leave all the precedents behind and you leave all of the um, you know, client base because of restrictive covenants and other things behind. Your network is something that you take with you independently through absolutely every role that you go through in your career. It's also something that I think people misunderstand as saying, um, it means I have to go to lots of networking events. And that means I have to do lots of introducing and handing out my business card. Thankfully, due to digital technology nowadays, you don't. And actually a lot of um, people have developed their networks so successfully during COVID and that's all been on digital means. So not only are people turning more and more to digital uh, platforms for their engagement and network, it really helps you to hone and develop a particular niche or focus very publicly uh, and connect with the right people globally which often opens doors and helps you expand what your network value is over time. There are a lot of things in that, which we can totally unpick, Clarence. Uh, actually, one thing I noticed is that increasingly so, people are more likely to appreciate if you like, comment, and share their posts rather than buying them a coffee or a beer. Oh, totally. Absolutely. And I think that's the part of the value adding, right? So what is valuable to different people? And at the moment, particularly with although in some places like Brisbane, like we're, we're pretty back to normal in so much as people are back into the city, we're going out for coffees. In a lot of places, they aren't. But that's actually a benefit because it means people are turning to digital means and it means you can leverage the brand you know, equity, for example, that's one in the space that you want to be known for has built up in the UK by connecting with them and liking what they're liking and sharing what they've developed you by default can develop your own profile off the back of theirs. So it's actually not a bad thing that your global, your network becomes global to a degree. And you're also able to really easily, simply with a click, uh, connect with, build your profile and your brand profile, your personal brand so effectively online. That doesn't mean that you don't have to do the other things as well. And we can talk a bit about that in terms of value. Yeah. So can you explain a bit more? How can people or lawyers add value to the network? So your network, you've all heard the term reciprocity, I'm sure. So reciprocity yeah. is the act of investing or giving someone something with the view that you can get something back. So there are actually three kinds of reciprocity, which people probably don't necessarily need to know. But anyway, so the first reciprocity is, hey, I'm going to give you something now, invest in you now with the view that in time, I'll get something back. Often that appears altruistic. Like I'm just being a nice person. I'm investing in you. I'm giving you something, helping you out. By default, there's an underlying expectation that, hey, uh, you know, you owe me one. But we don't voice that. And often it's quite nice that you don't voice that. So that's basically being a nice person, paying it forward. So the, the kind of the concept of karma. It's not really karma. It's just saying you're investing in people and they will return in time. The second reciprocity is around saying it's immediate. So I'll give you something now, Clarence, and you're going to give me something back. So that's the transaction. So I'm going to give you legal services and you're going to pay me for it, that kind of thing. It's immediate. The third reciprocity is basically it from a point of advantage. So um, uh, I know you need this. So I'm going to do this little thing for you, but I'm going to overcharge you because I really know you need it. So it's taking the mick, right? So that's, that's something we want to avoid. The reciprocity around adding value to your network, the one we want to talk about is the first one. 
I'm investing in you now with the view that I will get something back. That's around saying, what is your value, your network value? So I know, for example, um, just recently I connected someone who was who had just left a job and I was aware of, uh, of a job that was going within and with the, within my network I'd heard and spoken to someone over coffee and they'd mentioned we're looking for this kind of person and I connected them it was all it was was an email on my part there you go hey hey you should speak to this person I know they're available and all of a sudden that person is now in that role and I got sent this amazing wonderful hamper so you know I win but you know, ultimately it's adding value. I didn't expect anything back knowing that I kind of put money in their cup, if that makes sense. So adding value to your network is multifaceted. If they are within your sphere, like your, your inner circle, if you like, I would be doing things like investing and going for coffee. I would be doing things like saying, hey, come with me to this event. I, I need a wingman. Or it might be saying, um, hey, my firm's doing this young professionals thing. Do you want to come along? That's the types of things that you can do to extend to people in an engagement perspective. Others is saying, I'm going to share your content. I know, Clarence, you're trying to build profile in this space and I know a lot of these people, so I'm going to like shoot you into those people and say, hey, you need to speak to Clarence. All it is for me is an email. But for you, it's a lot of value. And you're going to go, hey, that was really nice of him. I appreciate that. So next time something comes up where you need someone, you'll think of me first. So that's the concept of building reciprocity. It's ultimately being a nice person. But ultimately, it also equals building a network that you have good connections and authentic trust with. And that's, I suppose, one of the cruxes of building your network is authenticity and trust. That's very enlightening and very insightful of you. Uh, so do you think lawyers need a mentor or coach? Yes, absolutely. And I think this is part of your network development as well. So if you think, and, and coming back to just the developing of a network, right? So a lot of people think, oh, I don't need to do that until I'm at like senior associate level because when I'm at senior associate level, then I need to be able to have a network of clients and contacts who are going to refer me work. And that is so incorrect. And the value now of saying when you're a third-year lawyer, actually, I've got a really strong network I've invested in. By the time you become a senior associate, they might be in a GC role somewhere that you can reach out to them and say, hey, can we have a coffee? I really want to talk about how my firm can support you. Ding, ding, ding. Then you start to see, okay, that's how you can uh, leverage your network, right? So that's how you can, can, can invest up front, build those connections. So... Um, coming back back a step, sorry, Clarence, I should have probably mentioned this earlier. A lot of people are asking about how do I do it? How do I make, build a network? If you think about, and look, for lawyers, I have to be honest, junior lawyers and the, the next generation, millennials and now Zoomers, whatever they are now, they'll all be on like Insta and, you know, all of those platforms, Clubhouse now, cracky. I've never even been in Clubhouse, but apparently it's the place to be. So wherever your contacts and connections are now. So those people who are in your, your cohort traditionally, people that you knew at uni, you know, people that you did your, your trainee, trainee program with, whatever it might be, connect with them there. I would also recommend connecting on LinkedIn. So if you don't have a LinkedIn profile, go get one. Absolutely start one because it's a, it can be a, slad, a, a slow, gradual buildup. So one, when you meet someone immediately, i.e. within the next 24 hours, go and connect with them on LinkedIn. Go and connect with them on Clubhouse or Insta from a professional perspective, right? Make sure you're connected because you will forevermore be connected. 
And that's starting to build your network. And you'll see as those lawyers grow, these lawyers grow, and then you never know what paths they take, et cetera. If you're at a more senior level, you could be connecting with people from clients, from within clients. Be conscious and cautious of that though, because sometimes your firms don't like you to do that. So just be, don't make it too overt or obvious, like, oh, so great to connect with my clients this week, so-and-so and so-and-so. Connect with them, but don't be too obvious or overt about it. And when I say then um, invest in them, if they're clients and you know that they're championing a particular cause or a, you know, a charity or do the right thing, like it, share it, say to my firm, hey, did you see our clients really supporting this initiative? Could we you know, donate $50 or $100 or whatever it might be? It's good perception as well for the clients to see the firm supporting these kinds of initiatives. So it's even saying it doesn't necessarily have to be you pitching in from your pocket. It can be you coordinating from your firm. It can be saying, I know that someone I went to uni with is really looking for a job. So I'm going to say, hey, there's this great person I know who's looking for a role at the moment because of COVID. If anyone's looking for a great family lawyer, you know, hit them up. All of those things are just investing in. So connecting, absolutely. Sharing, liking, yes. Reaching out and saying, hey, haven't spoken to you for a while. Could we have a Zoom catch up or a coffee or something? It sounds cringy, but do you know how many people really value that? They really love being able to catch up with humans, particularly if they're still locked at home. So that's a good way of just maintaining contact with people. So all of those things are things that people should be doing. Absolutely. Hmm. And then I completely missed your last question. Sorry, Clarence, I went backwards. Uh, no, no, no. There are uh, more questions, but that's not really uh, something you missed. But I'd like to make a comment. Uh, sometimes, there's a, depending on who, there can be a very special relationship between the person who moved you in court and yourself. Uh, I was moved by, uh, by now a barrister called Lee Wanik in Western Australia. And we have a very special relationship in, that continues to this day. Not in the sense that I'm actually learning the legal field from him anymore or how to deal with being a lawyer, but just life advice and, uh, and mm. support and mentorship or anything, or anything yeah. difficult when it comes to life issues. Yep. That's, that's something you can't put a price on and something that goes beyond just legal yes. lawyering mentorship. And yes. that's, how, that's how, how, how beneficial a mentor can be. That yes it can impact your life from the point you met the person. Hugely. And it's not to say necessarily that that person has all the answers, but it's someone that you trust. It's someone that you have a relationship with who knows you, um, that you trust, and they can give you guidance based on their perspective. And you trust their perspective because you've worked with them. That was the question that, that sorry, I skipped over, Clarence, was about should people, should lawyers have a mentor or a coach? Yes, absolutely, is, is my, my view. And actually, you should have multiple. So in, in that instance, I don't know what you speak to that judge about, Clarence, but it might be that you speak to them about your career focus. It might be that you have another, another coach or mentor that you speak to about um, particular passion projects or getting their view on how do I, you know, lead this project plus have my, you know, my day job. It might be saying I've had a really tricky, tricky spot at work with, you know, my manager or with my partner, I'm really not sure how to deal with that. Uh, is there someone that you trust that's, that you could ask them, you know, and seek input from them? So at any one point, I mean, just right now, I've got about four people who I would consider are mentors or coaches to me. 
And I would call any one of those people or ask them for input. And I'm very respectful of their time and I appreciate their time. Um, and I thank them for their time. And I, I, you know, will do things like recommend them to other people or send a thank you gift or whatever it is when they've invested a lot of time because it's valuable to me. But I would absolutely be able to pick up the phone to any of those four people at, you know, today and say, I've got a real challenge. Could you spare me 10 minutes? That to me is, is so worth the investment that I would make and have made in those people over time. But you don't just have to have one person who's your go-to coach. You can have a number. That's absolutely right. I have two, one who, from my lawyer days and one from my current digital marketing agency things. Yeah. I've got, yeah. Like, they both help each other because my niche is law firms, which oh, I was thinking to talk to lawyers if that's the case. But a lawyer, a lawyer would not be able to tell me how to run a digital marketing agency. Yeah. That's so it. That's, and each person, again, brings their different perspective, right? And sometimes you might need a few perspectives because I think the, the idea of a coach or mentor is not necessarily to tell you what to do, it's to help you work out what's the best thing for your situation at the time. Actually, I got a segue to a sub-question of this. Should you pay for a coach or mentor? You know, it's interesting that you asked that. So I've had um, paid coaches before. I've also accessed um, uh, the um, EAP services through work before when, when it's been stressful and I've not known how to manage things. So they're both in a, sort of in a way they're guides and supports to help work out what's the next step, what's the right step. Um, to be honest with you, if your firm offers those support programs, 100% tap into them because it's good It's good experience as well. And they give very good structured guidance. What I've found in the past though, I get much more beneficial, effective and valuable advice from those people who are within my network, who know me, who, who appreciate all my, you know, you know, I'm very highly energetic. I love, you know, I move quickly and all of those things. They value and appreciate that so they can guide me on those the way I should approach things knowing me. I didn't get that, I didn't get that appreciation or feeling from paid services. That's not to say they weren't valuable, just in a very different way. And I maybe asked different things of them. So yes, if it's available through your firm, access it because I think you could find value from it. If not, look at your network and look at someone who you trust, who you respect. And think of a question or a topic that you would love their guidance on. I wouldn't recommend going to them and saying, will you be my mentor and coach? I'd recommend you reach out to them and say, hey, I've got a couple of questions. I would really value your input. Would you mind having a coffee with me so I could run some thoughts past you? And let it evolve from there. I don't think any one of the four that I have in my mind as my coaches or mentors would consider themselves a formal coach or mentor, but they definitely always give me great advice. Actually, for myself, I did pay for a mentor in my current business, but it was a very different thing because I had communicated with that mentor who's a digital marketing agency owner multiple times, many times before I actually paid him to consult with me. And actually now uh, we've come to an arrangement where I don't have to pay for him to consult with me. Yeah, and he, I go. see him every two weeks. So... I think that is that it's okay to pay, especially if you are just starting out or you or you need very specific focused advice. But it's just that the person you choose to pay to, you really need to try and have some multiple touch points 
with that person so you know that it's the right person to pay the money to before yeah i agree before got even the cent yeah i agree because there is is there are a lot of coaches out there so it's also who you choose you know on the flip side interestingly this is another another thing to consider particularly if you're at senior levels is how do you yourself become a coach or a mentor so is there a way through the law society or you know women lawyers association or anything that you could get involved in that you could give back to junior lawyers because that's another way to one build your network build your credibility build your leadership skills um, understand what people at that in that cohort who you probably manage work people in that cohort to understand what they're struggling with as well so I think that's another way you can get involved and offer back to value to your network is by offering you know junior people or others within your network peers if needs be particularly even during COVID and and a lot of people are still um, are still struggling with or dealing with the impacts of, of COVID, despite the fact that we're fairly COVID free in Australia, people are still impacted by it in their roles and jobs. So how can you reach out to your network and ask, are you okay? How are you going? Do you want to catch up? That kind of thing. So you really touched on a bit about this, but how else do you activate your network? Mm. So this kind of goes hand in hand with the coaching mentoring thing to a degree, but when you build a network, there are a few things that I think people look for in the, in the people that they invest back into. And this is, I'm doing a bit of research at the moment around um, what makes a, a law firm partner successful. There are a few things like authenticity, uh, them being trustworthy, reliable, dependable, honest. I suppose almost a little bit... Uh, they, they, they're not going to side, you know, what's the term, uh, surprise them with something crazy out of the blue. They're fairly consistent. So if you invest in your network in that way, um, that you are dependable, authentic, trustworthy, those types of things, people will be willing to give back to you. Online and digital means is a really, really easy way to do that. That's not to say you have to do it only through that, but, um, you know, little things like, oh, look, up, I I said I'd connect someone with so-and-so, I better go and do that. Make sure you do what you say you're going to do and, and connect up with people or offer, offer some insight into something. So be authentic, be yourself, but be trustworthy and dependable and reliable, even on digital means, okay? So it's, you still be human. In terms of activating your network, so a lot of people say, oh, it's so cringy. I can't possibly go and speak to someone, particularly when it gets to a sale, right? So a lot of people use digital platforms for generating sales. And when you become more senior in your role and you become um, either on partnership track or you're a junior partner or um, you're trying to build your own practice, the concept of saying, right, I have this great network and I'm connected with a whole bunch of clients. How do I activate that? Again, be human, be authentic, flag it. I'd love to have a conversation with you about how we might be able to support you more or do you think you could have a coffee with me and we can talk through some of the things you're seeing in the market? Be honest about why you want to have a coffee. Don't say, let's just catch up and have a pint and talk about the weather and then all of a sudden say, hey, what can I sell to you? So it's around saying, okay, how, how can you uh, slowly and proactively engage with specific people with purpose but do it in a manner that you're respectful of their time. You're trying to add value to that conversation as well. And you're listening. 
you're taking on a lot of what they're saying. So when I think about even, for example, recently um, I went out on my own from an in-house or private practice role, um, I sought the views of lots of people, uh, including some um, partners of Beaton Research and Consulting, which I have now joined the partnership for. Uh, and from those conversations, purely just saying, I'd love to understand what you think. I see a space in the market. What do you think? I want to get your views. From that came conversations around joining the partnership. So activating it can be as simple as proactively engaging with purpose. Okay, so you proactively think about who can help me with this situation. I'm looking for a new job or um, I'm struggling. I, I want to make sure I make this promotion to SA or whatever it might be. You can speak to people in your network to support you in that. And I think that's probably something that people don't do well enough. They think, oh, I've got all these people, but I don't actually know how to tap into that network. For example, if you want to have a conversation with someone where you want to set up a next meeting, really, really simple, simple process. You just want to say, look, I want to be able to go to that person who I know has a challenge. I know their business has a challenge um, and I want to organize a meeting with one of my partners. Go and have a coffee with someone at your level that you're comfortable with. Someone who has influence potentially is a bit of a decision maker, maybe, or has influence internally. So it might be your SA cohort within, so senior legal counsel within, within an organization. And go and have a coffee, flag it, say, I'd love to talk to you about a few things that I'm seeing in the market and see if that's happening. The four Ps, prepare, provoke, prove, propose. Very, very simple. So prepare, before you go, think about the topic you want to explore and it will be a relation to the partner you're thinking you want to introduce. So you prepare, you think about, okay, I know that this organization is struggling with this. I know what, what we've done in this space. Should only take 10 minutes, look into your firm's databases, et cetera. So you provoke. So once you've had, you know, started a conversation, start to say, okay, um, provoke their interest by saying, oh, look, we're we've seen a bit of this, you know, at work. Are you struggling with this at the moment? I thought I, thought I heard along the grapevine you were. You're provoking their interest. Oh yeah, and they'll say yes, yeah, we are, and oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's all right. It's a shitstorm or whatever it might be. And then you say, okay, I've provoked their interest. I'm going to prove with some credibility. Well, so and so, such and such partner, he's managed a lot of those for some really big clients. I'm sure he would really be able to help you with this, you know, because he absolutely knows it inside out. Oh, really, Woody? That would be fantastic. Propose, propose a next step. Next step, oh, would, well, how about I actually see if, you know, your GC or your boss or your team might be open to having a conversation with them because I'm sure he could share some insight. Oh, that'd be great. Awesome. Well, when I get back to the office, I'll connect you up and we'll set a time. Okay, so it's, it doesn't always run as smoothly as that, but it's so simple and it's a way to really gently have a conversation where you're not actually selling anything. All you're doing is saying, I basically know you've got a problem. We got the right person to solve it for you and how about we go and connect up and do something together. That simple process you can have with people where you're trying to influence a next conversation where you can bring in a partner. You go back to work looking like sunshine and the client's happy because you're adding value and sharing insight and you never know, you could get work out of it. So this is how you can activate your network really clearly with purpose without you know, a big rigmarole or thinking you're going into a sales meeting. So those kinds of things are very simple for particularly more senior people to undertake. Okay. Well, on to our last question. What's the most important trait in building a net, your network? What should lawyers or people rather avoid when building your network? Okay. 
I mentioned this before, authenticity. So be human, be you. You are your own secret source. So people by people. People also hire people. Yes, you come with a skill set and a credential list and often they ask, you know, it's a client base or whatever. But people buy and hire people. So you have to be authentic, right? Because that's what people actually are buying. And if people buy you for something other than your authentic self, then it's not the right fit. So I truly believe people need to be authentic in who they are. And that needs to come through. I don't think anyone that sees my online profile or meets me in person would say I'm anything but, you know, an extrovert, enthusiastic. Um, I'm really passionate about women in, women in law and gender equality. All of those things come through really strongly in terms of I'm authentic about who I am. I'm also conscious and cautious of not touching on things which I know are massive danger warning signs. Things like politics, religion, controversial views, okay? So the controversial views I'm talking about is, right, gender equality is a sensitive topic in many, many camps. Don't go and light a fire by saying, this is all rubbish, you lot are all idiots. You know, it's not, doesn't exist just be conscious that that's kind of controversial, okay? So, and unless you're you're campaigning to be, a, you know, the junior, I don't know, candidate for such and such, don't talk about politics. Don't focus on politics. Don't overtly support, support one camp over another, similarly with religion, okay? So uh, you can be Christian and, you know, you can be, uh, I don't know, whatever whatever religion you are, and you can be proud of that and represent that religion but don't, again, be contentious and um, light fires on online platforms because that stuff stays. It sticks. And then your brand becomes very much about that issue, not about who you are. So avoid politics, religion, and anything contentious, but be authentic. So it's a kind of one of, one of, one of, of um, be authentic and true to yourself, but also be really cautious that once you push that out there, your brand becomes that challenge or that issue as opposed to, what your message is if that makes sense yes yes it does uh, sometimes better zip your mouth than open your mouth wide <laughs> as i say to my six-year-old zip it lock it put it in your pocket just don't 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 touch it <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good one zip it, lock it, put it in your pocket. okay we're running out of time but thank you very much kim for being on the show guys and girls it's been very Thanks, good uh, uh having you guys and girls listen to my show and i would like love to see you guys and girls in the next episode Thank you all and see you around. I'm ending signing yes. off now. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Legaling Show. This episode was brought to you by Markalytics Marketing Agency, Law Firm Marketing Specialists. For ads on all major online channels and SEO run by a lawyer, marketer, and legal consumer, experience the Markalytics difference at markalytics.com.au. If you have any suggestions for the show, or would like to become a guest, please email info at markalytics.com.au. Stay tuned for the next episode of The Legaling Show, where we talk about what lawyers care about.